How's it going, everyone? Chris here. Just wanted to share something special with you all. Ron and I have just started a new project called the Marquetta Leads Podcast. And in this podcast, our goal is to inspire folks to lead with purpose. So we're going to be talking about leadership, the challenges, the successes, and the critical moments of leadership. Be sure to check out this episode and down in the show notes, we'll have a link to where you can subscribe to the Marquetta Leads Podcast. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marquetta Leads Podcast, where we inspire our listeners to lead with purpose. In this episode, we have Marquetta CEO, Jason Gardner. Welcome to the Marquetta Lees Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Cochran, and I'm joined by my esteemed colleague, Ron Eddings. Hello, everyone. And our goal is to inspire you to lead with purpose. Today, we have a special guest, Jason Gardner, CEO of Marquetta. Jason, first of all, welcome, but also thank you for being on the show. Chris, Ron, thank you for having me. Us at Marquetta, we've had a chance to get to know you a bit but for the listeners that haven't had the opportunity, would love for you to share a bit about your background and what you're focused on today. Sure. So I grew up in a place called Fairhaven, New Jersey. I certainly consider myself a serial entrepreneur. I've had businesses since I was a little kid from raking leaves, cutting grass, picking weeds. And they really, the businesses themselves have gotten bigger over time. In high school and college, I had a tie-dye business that I would sell tie-dyes to people headed to concerts. I would tie-dye shirts for kids in school uh, that wanted to have their colors, maybe for a specific athletics program they were working on. And then moved to California in 1994. I started first company in 1998. The name of that company was Vertical Think. That was uh, a platform of connecting web developers and projects that were too small to gain the uh, interest of much larger companies. And it was more of a lifestyle business. We, we did go out and try to raise some venture capital, but at the time I really had no idea what I was doing. Being an entrepreneur and wanting to build businesses, it's a different type of model when you're in Silicon Valley and in tech and you want to go build a business. There's a lot of expectations in regards to what you need to get done. I didn't think about that when I was starting this business. Ultimately, it did not work out and learned an incredible amount. 2004, co-founded a company named Property Bridge, which allowed you to pay rent electronically. And that was successful. We raised a Series A in venture capital, I think about $2.5 million or so, and sold that in 2007 to MoneyGram International. And at the time, it was very exciting. I think anybody as, a, as an entrepreneur who starts and builds a company and is able to sell it, it's a great outcome. And, and at the time, me and my family, we were broke. So to, to be able to sell a company and see uh, a windfall from that was pretty exciting. We, we sold the company for $28 million. I had four co-founders and ultimately stayed on with MoneyGram International until the end of 2009. And at that time, came up with the idea for, for Marketa. 
I am a sole founder, which is a bit unusual. There's not a lot of us out there. And I did that specifically because I didn't want to have co-founders anymore. I wanted to really be able to control what the uh, values were of the company, what the purpose, the mission, the vision was, where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do with it. And then over time, just began to work with a lot of really smart people who have massive influence on, on what we built. You, As an entrepreneur, you have ideas about what you want to do. And then the influence comes in from other people who see things from other points of view. And really what today at Marketa is a collection of work done by hand, work done by mind, and influence from lots and lots of people around the world, which is pretty exciting. It's so funny how young we step into entrepreneurship and leadership. When I was in middle school, I stepped into entrepreneurship as the class candy man. Nine cent margins on a pixie stick is actually pretty incredible. But when I stepped into my leadership was in high school. I became the captain of the wrestling team. This is where I, I could motivate the team to victory. Uh, I'd love to hear a little bit of when you first stepped into your leadership ability. What was that like and how was it different than what you thought it was going to be? Yeah, I think, and I'll talk about a little bit about making your own money. You're selling candy at a nine cent margin. There's something that is really wonderful and exciting about making money, about that transaction, not getting paid and working for a regular job, but getting paid for something that you're doing yourself. For me, that's really addicting. Even as a little five-year-old kid that was shoveling a driveway or raking leaves, I knew that my own effort I was putting in was going to put money in my pocket directly. And there was something that really fascinated me about that. That still actually fascinates me today. So stepping into leadership is in, in the early days, you fake it till you make it. You obviously will you'll read books, you'll read magazines, you'll read articles, you talk to people, but it doesn't really come from your heart. Leadership comes from your heart. It doesn't come necessarily from your head. And when it comes from your head in the beginning, you don't really feel it. You're not finding that cadence in how you speak, how you act, how you operate, what your values are. You believe these things in a way that are a bit disconnected from your heart and how you lead. And over time, you begin to understand. And part of that is the sensitivity that you feel around other human beings. As a founder and CEO, you, you're on stage all the time. People are looking at you and saying, how is Jason doing today? He looks upset or sad or angry or depressed. And I might not feel any of those things. But when you're building a business, which is a massive risk, most businesses do fail, especially in the tech industry. People look at that emotional side and want to make sure that they're going to be okay. They're going to be safe that the time they're putting in, their personal time, their professional time away from their families, time away from their uh, significant others, and the effort where they see themselves headed in a certain direction from a career perspective, they want to be able to trust and know that you have this handled and where you're going. It's an extraordinary amount of pressure. But over time, you begin to really feel it in your heart about what leadership is and where you want to go. And it begins to feel natural to you. And once you begin to feel the natural ability of leadership and you're stepping into that role, then you're like, I got this. It's not about faking it anymore to maybe impress people or give people a sense of safety. It really becomes from your heart and you step into what I would call a true leader. And that reflects 
the work that you do and how you talk and how you most importantly treat people. And you're able to obviously build a business to, to where it is today under extreme pressure to perform both, you know, personally and professionally as you're operating within the company. And today I certainly consider myself a professional athlete when it comes to leading a company of Marquetta's size and stature. And I'm always learning at the same time. And I do really enjoy this life. Couldn't agree more with leading from the heart. And I think there's almost something mystical about that. It feels like when you're leading from the heart, you're experiencing a leader that has a, some type of superpower. When did you start leading from the heart? And what do you think your superpower is? I remember in the early days of Marquetta, we almost ran out of money. We were actually three weeks from running out of money. This is all known. This has been documented before. This is the stress of building a business and not hitting the milestones that you want in a period of time that you're expected to. I found in that process, because I knew that we were out raising money, it was very difficult, uh, was getting a lot of no's. And I found a power that I didn't really have before, which was I felt actually really steady. And, and all, the, all of the stress of driving the company forward, knowing in my heart that Marketa was onto something, that we were finding product market fit, that this massive industry we're operating in, and we were had the really a first mover advantage, how we were gonna to how we we're gonna grow, what the company was gonna build into. I really saw that and it had a calming effect on me where when I stepped into the room, even though I knew we were running out of money, I could still lead the business and I can still focus and I can essentially lead from my heart. And eventually, we raised the money. We closed actually a pretty significant round. And very soon after that, we launched the Open API, and that really solidified us as a first mover in the sort of new idea of issuing and processing via Open APIs. We were the first company to do that. And that was the first time that I really found my heart, my, my mojo, how I wanted to lead, who I wanted to be. And that a very stressful time in my life really it put me in a place where I draw from that same type of energy today. This is the first episode of the Markel Lee's podcast. And in this series, we're going to discuss different types of leadership, different leadership philosophies and leadership tactics. Could you tell us a story that exemplifies your style of leadership? Yeah, and I'll start, you asked before about my superpower. So uh, my superpower, and I've been this way forever, is I can talk my way in or out of almost anything. Um, <laughs> I don't know how I've been able to do that. I do it with a lot of humor. I've always been able to make people laugh. I've talked my way into concerts. I've talked my way out of fights. I've talked my way into people investing in my business. I talked my wife into going out on a date with me when I, I liked her and wanted to have her as my girlfriend. So over the years, I've just still been able to do that. And I think it comes from a level of confidence. And I think it certainly comes from knowing myself. And I am, I think I'm a funny person and I can make people laugh and laughter really able, really gives people a sense of safety and that this is going to be okay. And it's okay to let Jason in or let Jason out, you know, depending on you know what, what type of situation I'm in. So I have a strong belief in servant leadership. I've actually have felt many times when I see an org chart of our company at 500 plus people and I'm at the top 
it feels in a way uncomfortable for to me. I, I feel that I should almost be at the bottom of uh, the org chart. I'm in service to everybody into the, in this organization. And part of that is about my heart and how I feel about other human beings. The way I feel about other human beings is that people at Marketa are, they're spending their most time when we're in an office, spending a lot of time in the office during the week, but they're spending their time thinking about Marketa or working at Marketa or working with other Marketans, working with our customers, working for our customers. You're talking about it with your partners or your loved ones or your families. You might be sleeping and thinking about or dreaming about Marketa. I take that very seriously. That is a it is, in a way, it, it feels like a burden to me, and I need to be supportive of everybody in this company, and I need to be there for them. I need to lead them. That gives them not only a sense of safety, but a sense of pride and purpose. And that is incredibly important to me in this value of ours, which we call One Marketa, and that everyone belongs. And, and why I feel like everyone belongs is that I grew up in a place, my, my mom's been married four times. My dad's been married three times. I have a, a very eclectic, odd family. I grew up in New Jersey. New Jersey is a very eclectic and odd place. And I'm lucky. I've got to experience a lot of different people from a lot of different religions and races and backgrounds and colors and languages. I was very lucky in growing up in the place that I grew up because I got to experience that. And I've recognized over the years through traveling the world and meeting lots of different people, we're all the same. We all need a lot of the same things to be happy and to prosper. And part of that is really ingrained in me as a human being in my heart and how I lead. One thing I want to dive into for a minute is you were three weeks away from being out of money and all of the people that you felt responsible for might be out of a job. I've talked to so many entrepreneurs that have been in that similar situation, but I think for the everyday listener, they don't understand the, the gravity and the weight that bears on somebody. We'd love to hear about how that felt and how that changed your perspective on, on leadership. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, it's a very heavy weight. It's a great burden that these people are working their asses off to deliver for the company and for deliver for our customers. And at the same time, I knew where we were headed. I knew that we were fighting product market fit. I had investors who, existing investors who supported me, but challenged me and knew what I needed to do to really release the funds, so to speak. In that specific situation in those three weeks, I had one investor, and this was the investor that needed to write that first check to release all of the other funds, and I had leverage over them. So a big part of raising capital is leverage. And I find leverage in a lot of things I do. Having leverage allows you to raise money. Having leverage allows you to hire people. You have to find leverage in a situation because what leverage usually does is it can give you confidence and give you confidence in the things that you're doing. So even though I knew that we were running out of money and we had three weeks left, I had a great deal of leverage over an investor that needed to write a check. He said to me, Go raise $100,000 in the next seven days, and it can't be your own money, and it can't be an existing investor. And if you can do that, then I will release my funds. I raised $500,000 in three days, Whoa. and that opened up the floodgates in regards to the rest of the checks. So part of going out and raising money and having the the confidence to get it done is leverage in a negotiation. It's leverage in what's next. And I had that leverage. 
So that also gave me a sense of safety. It gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me a confidence. And what I said to this person, say, what do you need me to do to, to allow you to write that check and release that funds? Give me something that I can prove to you that will allow you to do that. And that was the challenge. And I raised five times what he expected. I love a good challenge. I love a good battle and I need to go out and, and do what I need to do to get things done. And that's who I am as a person. So we did that. And obviously back then to where Marquetta is today, everybody has benefited from the work of so many people. I, I know that person to this day, because he's told me, is very thankful for being involved in Marquetta as an investor. It sounds like this is a true testament to your superpower. You're able to talk yourself in and out of any situation. <laughs> this is true. And it sounds like you're also really great at communication. And I think that's another great aspect of leadership is how you communicate, what communication mediums you use. I would like to hear a little bit about what is your communication tactics and what makes you successful and what mediums are you most prone to use today? In the time of COVID, really the only median is, is Zoom. <laughs> you, know, that's, you're, you don't have the flexibility. I love being in front of people, live in front of people, not over uh, Zoom or any other uh, medium. I really enjoy being in front of people. I find energy from other people. And I've talked about this before. I, I, when we're all back in the office, you'll see me all the time. I'm constantly walking on the phone with whoever I'm speaking to. I travel every floor. I stop by and say hi to people. I draw energy from other human beings. So being in front of people and speaking in front of people gives me an extraordinary amount of confidence. I really enjoy it. And, and I know a lot of people are terrified to stand in front of people. And I was terrified to stand in front of people in, in the early days. But now I really enjoy it. I have a lot of fun around it. And it just gives me a lot of confidence to be able to lead this business in, in the way it needs to be led, which is really grounded in our values as a, as a company. So with B Zoom being the, the main communication method and medium, do you find that more challenging? It sounds like you're very extroverted. You said that you gain energy from people. What kind of experience have you had since COVID and being locked down? Has that been more challenging? It was very challenging in the beginning. I am a very routine oriented person. And when you, I think people, anybody who is incredibly busy has a lot of pressure. You fall into routine. I usually get up at the same time every day. I drink the same amount of coffee. I have the same exact routine because it keeps me really grounded and insane. So in the beginning, I would say certainly the first month, it was very difficult. I, I obviously was completely out of my routine. We went from being a predominantly an in-office culture to working from home in a period of three days. How was that going to affect our business? How were we going to grow? What was that going to do to our customers? How were they going to react? So all of this really hits you like a punch in the head and you really are off your kilter. I was off my kilter for the first three weeks and then... I found my mojo. I knew what I needed to do. I set up an office in uh, a spare bedroom in the house, I think like most folks. And what came out of it was actually pretty interesting because I was alone and I wasn't drawing energy from being in, in the office. And yes, I'm, I'm a very extroverted person. Although do I, I do like downtime. 
I began to think differently about Marketa and really began to focus on what is going to be the strategy in the coming years because things are fundamentally changing. And even though we were in the early days of the pandemic, you could see and read that the, the warnings were there. It was uh, certainly the, the first time in my lifetime and hopefully the last time in my lifetime where we find this social engineering project of everybody in the world needs to wear masks and how culture is changing because of it, how payments is changing because of it. And I just found a lot of power in that and worked on the corporate strategy and has rolled it out in, in June to the entire business. And now we're orienting ourselves in that direction. So I actually really love it. I love it for personal reasons, the kind of the focus of getting things done, I think is number one. And number two is I have a great family. I have a wife and a son and a daughter. I get to spend an extraordinary amount of time with them. I love that versus being on the road every day, traveling all over the world, which takes me away from them. And we've become closer as a family. I really love having them in my life and a lot more time with them than I had before. So I've also, I found a lot of balance in this, but I am looking forward to getting back to the office. I want that well. So I'm going to find more balance in my life than I had prior to, to shelter in place. I think that's perfect. Family is so important, and I've got to enjoy that time as well with my family. And I love the fact that you mentioned culture. Uh, as the leadership culture at Marquetta grows and develops, what do you hope that Marquetta is known for from an outsider's perspective? I think, number one, we're customer-centric. We care about them as people. We care about them as human beings. We care about their business. I still feel the same way about our first customer we had. And today, which is all these customers we have, I am very grateful for their business. I'm very grateful that they've chosen us. And that is absolutely ingrained in our culture. It's part of who we are as people. And this idea of servant leadership, we're very much servant leaders to our customers. I still feel that way. I feel a great deal of responsibility uh, to them as a vendor in a simple sense, but also feel a great sense of them because they've trusted us with their business. We either support the core business or we are the core business of our customers. And I take that very seriously. Our culture reflects deliver results, quality first, one Marketa. These are all in service to our customers and our community. And the concept of everyone belongs. We want to be good stewards of the community. These are other human beings who they'll see our building, they'll see our name on the building. They don't know exactly what Marketa is. But we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to our community. We have a responsibility to our customers. I have always felt that way. And what I'm probably most proud about is the fact that all Marketans, that is ingrained in them. And it's about the work that we do and how we operate within the community. That's super important to us. And that's a big part of who we are and our values. Right now, there are founders listening to this podcast, but more importantly, there's a young entrepreneur that's about to step into their personal power while they're listening to this. What is one way they can cultivate a leadership culture in their company? Be authentic. I think that's the most important part of being a leader is just authenticity. People can smell bullshit or see bullshit from a mile away and don't try to be somebody who you're not. You have to find your leadership style. You have to find it in your heart. 
And yes, you're going to have to fake it till you make it because you're going to have to find what are you good at? How are you going to lead? And at some point, some event is going to click and you're going to understand what you need to do and how you want to lead. And all the time, I mean, I, I talk to lots of young CEOs. I've invested in a lot of different companies that are led by young CEOs. And when I say young CEO, I'm not talking about their age. I'm talking about they haven't done it before. They're stepping into a, a leadership style or a leadership that feels uncertain. It feels unstable. They don't know exactly what they need to do or how they want to do it. And they need to find a leadership style that really works for, for them. And they need to understand that is okay. That it's okay to say uh, to a team, hey, we're going to figure this out together. I am figuring this out on my own. You can't, you can't lie about what people are seeing in you because that begins to hurt your integrity and integrity and truth is really important for me i i am a strong believer in truth and justice and part of leadership is finding that and once you find it, it's going to feel very natural to you and then people are going to gravitate towards you and that's going to allow you to do a lot of great things whether it's finding new customers or clients whether it's hiring people whether it's getting people to invest in your business that is all part of leadership and confidence that you will find over time. Authenticity, integrity, and confidence are three powerful tools that any leader or entrepreneur can use and put in their tool belt to lead better. Jason, thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us sincerely from the bottom of our hearts. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the great things that we're doing here at Marketa, what are the best ways that people can do that? LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm not a big social media person. I apologize for that. So it's really best to follow Marketa on LinkedIn and Twitter. That's who you'll find the most about me, Marketa, our customers, and, and all Marketans. Thanks so much, Jason. We'll be sure to drop all of the links in the show notes. And we'll be sure to have you on again so everyone can learn even more about you. And we'll see everyone next time. Awesome, Chris and Ron. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. 